Now that we're into our fourth week of sheltering at home, I must admit my resentment is starting to wear down and I'm really appreciating five aspects or silver linings that have emerged from our concerted efforts to flatten the curve. Hi, I'm Amy Grant of the ABL organization and here's what I'm appreciating most during this time of COVID-19. Generosity on a human scale. The other evening when my husband and I walked to the community mailbox, we noticed a hand-painted sign left by a neighbor offering free face masks. Turns out, She's part of a sewing circle devoted to ensuring the rest of us stay safe. On March 30th, Governor Newsom announced the formation of the California Health Corps and sounded the call to expand California's healthcare workforce and recruit healthcare professionals to address the COVID-19 surge. The governor's executive order anticipated that California would need the medical workforce to allow healthcare facilities to staff at least 50,000 additional hospital beds. What wasn't expected was how many responded to the call. 25,000 signed up the first day the healthcore.ca.gov went live, and 81,000 during the first week. While these healthcare warriors will be compensated, they are indeed volunteering to face the enemy on the front lines of the battle against COVID. Bravery that equals that of any soldier who went off to battle in the last century. Meanwhile, there's also generosity on a grand scale. Bill Gates is committed to spending billions of dollars building factories for the seven makers of the most promising COVID-19 vaccines to take them from development to market, to accelerate things. As Bill said, even though we'll end up picking at most two of them, we're going to fund factories for all seven, just so that we don't waste time and serially seeing which vaccine works and then building the factory. Of course, this isn't the first time the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has committed to providing money to pay for vaccines. The WHO estimates that in just three years, nearly $5 billion in funding from the Gates has provided 440 million immunizations and averted 6 million deaths worldwide, which makes me feel much better about purchasing all those Microsoft licenses over the years. Breaking the red tape that binds. Between executive orders streaming from the White House and governor's desk, CMS regulatory waivers, and the FDA's emergency use authorizations, seemingly miles of red tape have been cut. In the wake of COVID-19, catapulting America's healthcare system into the 21st century. On March 30th alone, temporary changes made possible by the president's recent emergency declaration and emergency rulemaking took effect immediately across the entire U.S. healthcare system for the duration of the emergency declaration. These massive changes for 140 million Medicare, Medicaid, and CHIP beneficiaries included enabling providers to provide and bill for telehealth visits at the same rate as in-person visits. Hospitals and healthcare systems can now hire licensed physicians, nurses, and other clinicians across state lines. Hospitals can use PAs, NPs, nurse anesthetists to the full extent possible and ambulances can transport patients to a much wider range of locations than just hospitals and get paid for doing so. On April 2nd, HHS announced it would not enforce HIPAA privacy rules against providers and their business associates, granting them the freedom to cooperate and exchange information with public health and oversight agencies that can help flatten the curve and potentially save lives. To quote the Boston Globe's columnist, Jeff Jacoby, it goes without saying that many government regulations are sensible, prudent, and eminently defensible. But far too many reflect special interest pleading and a desire to keep out competitors. Jeff concludes his column with, it is one of the silver linings of this awful pandemic that rules and regulations, most of which were never needed in the first place, have been swept to the curb. When the crisis ends, let's make sure they stay there.
Well, maybe not all, but most would be a good place to start. Expanded ways of working together. It took Governor Newsom's state sheltering mandate for the Adaptive Business Leaders Organization, namely MAW, to finally adapt to holding Zoom tables. But starting March 19th, we held our first ABL Healthcare Zoom table, and on the 20th, our second. So far this month, we've held five, and next week, we'll hold three more. We're almost getting pretty good at it. Thanks to the fact that all the members know each other and are building on the camaraderie established in the roundtables themselves, that esprit and candor has permeated the Zoom tables as well, which is particularly gratifying since the tables have rarely had as many participants. Even internally, with ABL staff of six, Zoom has been a game changer. Meetings needed to get consensus on a new procedure, for example, that used to wait until our Monday morning staff meeting are now just a Zoom call away. Same thing with calls to prospective ABL members. For me, at least, the whole process of trying to be as efficient seems to have morphed into being more efficient. And I suspect others are actually beginning to enjoy the greater flexibility and light commutes their millennial workers crave. I think they may be onto something. And last, tighter family connections. As an only child with only two first cousins, I grew up thinking I came from a very small family. But thanks to the internet, Zoom and Don Long, fourth cousin in New Zealand, who's an avid genealogist, we're now all holding bi-weekly Zoom meetings with three generations of extended family members, all descended from my great-grandfather, Alexander Avier. In today's session, among the 17 of us from four countries and four states, we heard about my fifth cousin, Emily Fisher, an internist just two years out of medical residency who's responsible for a ward of 15 COVID patients, all on ventilators in Montefiore's Moses Hospital in the Bronx. Unfortunately, typically two patients per 12-hour shift lose their fight to COVID. And she just heard that her work week's been expanded to eight straight days of 12-hour shifts. And that's after she personally just returned to work after fighting off COVID at home. Unfortunately, her husband, Matt, also caught it and was so sick that he was just able to get out of bed after two weeks of really suffering. Fortunately, their four-month-old daughter, Clara, is still infection-free. Emily's sacrifice in leaving her sick husband and baby alone to fend for themselves brought home to me the personal sacrifice that everyone on the front lines in this battle against our most significant enemy of the 21st century is making, including Andy Lika, who's the CEO of the Mammoth Field Hospital just opening uh, at the LA Convention Center. We truly hope we can take all five of these silver linings into the new normal that we pray will emerge soon. In the meantime, stay safe and wear your mask outside.